Hey guys, we're off cooldown once again, and we're here to talk about the International 10. So this episode was brought to you by Aver Media, who can provide you some great equipment for all your streaming and content creation needs. We're also giving away an Aver Media Elena mousepad, so stay tuned until the end for more details on that. Okay guys, so <laughs> TI10 is finally over. Uh, how did you guys find it? It was not at all what I expected. It was really exciting in a lot of ways and uh, certainly disappointing in others, especially knowing my allegiances. But I'd say overall, I really enjoyed this TI. Like a lot more than I thought I might have, especially considering like uh, the hype was really different without a real crowd. They, they had the crowd machine, but we can go into more of how that felt later, I guess. Well, for me, I enjoyed the production. Uh, you know, there are a lot of problems when it comes to when it comes to timing and delays. But overall, the set design I really appreciated that the 3D models and the 3D engines that they used, the green screen effects that they used were all incredible. Uh, as someone who works behind the scenes in esports events as well, I really appreciated those because I know how much work gets put into those kinds of things. In terms of the matches, though, um. I must say I enjoyed the previous TIs more, but this year was no different in terms of the hype that it could bring. There were a lot of storylines that we could have follow, uh, we could have followed for this year, and there were a lot of hype matches as well and very unexpected outcomes in some of the matches. But my biggest disappointment is EG not reaching finals to get defeated there. That's my biggest disappointment for this TI, to be honest. I think you should, like, if you're expecting a failure at the finals, it might be an LGD thing, not an EG thing anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's becoming a trend the past couple of years for LGD being so near yet so far. It's one of the storylines that have emerged over the past years. Yeah, poor Ame. Yeah. Poor Ame, yeah. I feel kind well, of bad for him. On another note, like, I think the only th something else I picked up from TI10 is that I don't like the, the place the Tiny is currently in the meta. I, I don't like the fact that you have a carry that picks up one, maybe like three items. Three items, just the Silver Edge, the Echo Saber, and then maybe a Satanic or a BKB depending on the enemy lineup. And he just goes 1v5, he goes 1v4 against a carry who has the same amount of farm. Tiny just does so much better, even without the the other heroes that surround him. It's just, I don't know. Um, and the Lycan like dog please. meta, right? The Lycan like dog yeah. meta really enables the tiny carry pick. And what makes it harder to counter is that it's also a flex pick, so you can't really shut it down. Or if you do, they can always transition it to support if it's needed, and it's still going to be really effective as a support. Yeah, it, it certainly makes for some really strange pick and bans if Tiny doesn't get banned immediately and someone picks it up because he can fill the role anywhere from one to four any of those roles you can just play and yeah I, I feel like that was probably the most disappointing thing of TI for me was the fact that Tiny just felt really broken and a lot of matches just ended up lopsided because of that hero I mean that's not to say that a lot of that it was just because of Tiny I mean we've, we've seen like Sumail on Tiny two games in a row lose yeah because of how well the execution was on the other team side but overall, yeah, I think they, they brought out a lot of strats and a lot of them revolved around those sorts of things. And But we also saw some strange picks like Dawnbreaker 4 making a big appearance in TI, surprisingly. Like, 
Bane also. Uh, not really something that we see in the meta that much. ET and Bane, especially. Those two supports making, making their way into TI and making such a large impact in every single game that they were in. Well, almost every single game they were in. But you know, the elephant in the room is Magnus. Even though a tiny was arguably one of the most overused picks for this TI, it's undeniable how much more impact Magnus have had in this TI. You know, not just in Team Spirit actually, because a lot of other teams have picked Magnus to some great effect for this TI. But also, uh, but rather, Magnus became more um, stuck in the consciousness of the people with Team, C Team Spirit rather, because their offlane um, collapse just did really well using Magnus. But still, even outside of Team Spirit, he was used really well in other lineups. Just not as prevalent as Tiny, but I think it's also one of the trends uh, in the pick and ban phases that emerged during this year's TI. Yeah, and what surprised me the most about the Magnus pickup is that, uh, you know how we're all used to seeing flashy Magnus plays with like the big RPs and everything? Here, Magnus is usually picked up as somebody who gets like a Helm of the Dominator and then he just empowers his carry to help them farm, like to maybe make them skip the farming item. Or we see how just how powerful Horn Toss in, is in this patch. Not just in the hands of Collapse, but Horn Toss in general because of how big its AoE is. It's, it's kind of being used as like a pseudo RP that you get at 20 minutes. And I don't know, it's, it's pretty insane. I'm pretty sure it's gonna get nerfed after. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm expecting that to get nerfed. Yeah, I really think Horntoss should be single target instead of what it does right now. That really, you know, it's, it's, area, is it area target? It, yeah, it's, it's everyone it's, in it's front actually of Magnus. It's surprisingly large AoE in front of Magnus. <laughs> and then it just, it flips everyone behind him. 0.75 seconds stun. Which Enough makes time for them, him to turn around and skewer them into the enemy team. Which makes the, everyone who gets hit with the Horntoss to be, you know, um, especially since they nerfed. Uh, flicker, it's almost impossible to escape that if you don't have any other allies around you, right? So if you're all alone, there's not enough time for you to pop a BKB or to use a Yules. It's just, you know, it Hortus just works perfectly with Magnus. It's too perfect for the hero's kit. There's no way that you can escape Magnus once he gets his horn up your back. <laughs> See? Uh, I think I think we get what you're trying to say there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I think it's about time we move on to how broken our brackets were. So before TI, we talked about our hopes and dreams about TI, and I am gonna go last this time because I have. I feel like I have the most a to, lot say. to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, this year was Cal's year in terms of, you know, in terms of what region won. It's her <laughs> pet region that won this year, you know. If you listened into our last week's episode, you'd know that Cal is a big CIS fan. But if you are watching us on uh, Facebook and YouTube, you should see right now the uh, final brackets for TI-10. So if you're not watching, uh, a video well you can just search up the brackets on Wikipedia or something but if you didn't watch TI the most important thing that you should know if you haven't caught up with the news yet is that PSG LGD was once again in the finals they went through the entire upper bracket um, undefeated actually 
they defeated first OG. Ah, sorry, rather. Oh, they actually lost one game against T1. Yeah, th- yeah they, they lost exactly one game Deck. through their upper bracket run against T1. That was it. One game. They dropped one game, made it all the way to the finals. And then they lost to Team Spirit, who had fought their way after falling from the upper bracket in their first uh, series, fought their way all the way through the lower bracket to the grand finals before claiming the Aegis. Uh, you know, stopping LGD once again from getting the Aegis for, like, this is what, the third year in a row? I think they went second, third, second. Yeah, they went second, third, mistaken. second. Um, of course, when they went second for the first time, it was against OG during OG's first championship two, three years ago already, you know, in TI8 in 2018. It, it still had Ame in the carry position. And then in 2019, they lost against Team Enigma in the lower bracket finals. Um, they ended up having uh, the same lineup, the same roster as their 2018 squad. And LGD said, "No, this is not an, this is not acceptable. You can't go from second to third in TI and get away with it." So they changed the entire roster except for Ame. They ret- retained Ame. So for this year, it was an entirely different squad. Even the the coach was different. They changed QQQ with Xiao Eight. The legendary Xiao Eight from China, and retained Ame as the carry, and then they went second this year, and it's just really sad. I I, I felt really sad for Ame, you know, always being so near but so far, yet so far from the ages and winning everything. But so you have to give props to the tenacity of Team Spirit. Their story is that they went from the upper bracket. You know, they almost did make it in the upper bracket because they lost their first four games in the group stage but they were able to fight and claw their way back up the 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 groups and they were able to uh, secure a position in the upper bracket only to lose to Invictus Gaming in the first round and then they were sent down to the lower bracket and from there on they were unstoppable they defeated first Fnatic and then OG and then Virtus Pro and then they had their revenge against Invictus Gaming when they faced each other again in the lower bracket. And then they beat Team Secret of all teams. You know, a lot of people were really uh, banking on Team Secret winning this year's TI, especially since OG lost against Team Spirit. People hedged their bets. They, they changed ships from OG to Team Secret. And then they went against PSG LGD in the finals. And it was a very, well, I wouldn't say dominating win, but it was decisive. It leaves no room for doubt that Team Spirit was the better team that day against PSG LGD. And it was a well-deserved Aegis win for them. Yeah, let's not forget that Team Spirit in June of this year also entered through the EU slash CIS Open qualifiers, beating out Team Empire just enough to make it to qualify, you know, for the group stages. It's almost the same story as OG from two from three years ago, right? In TI eight. Yeah, except minus the minus the fact that OG came all the way from the lower bracket from the start. In, yeah. in Team Spirit's case, they were in the upper bracket, they fell immediately, and then they climbed their way through the lower bracket all the way until the until the grand final stage. Just See, that, that really like, it really messed up my predictions. Like I didn't get a lot of points from this one, I think. I, I think I only got uh, eight predictions, right? One. Yeah, let's yeah, count I got it. 1, 2, 3, so. 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Wait, I lost yeah, my count. Yeah, 8, 8, yeah. 
It's eight, yeah. So you can see from the very start, my lower brackets, I get three out of uh, I get three out of the four teams wrong immediately. I was not expecting that uh, Fnatic would. I mean, yeah, I was not Fnatic, I was not expecting that Fnatic would beat out Undying. Like to see Undying go in the BO1 that quickly, and I also was expecting that Aster would beat Quincy Crew. But I'm actually glad that that outcome because we got to see the Quincy Crew versus OG with just that that moment with the two Hassan siblings where uh, uh, where Yawar just all chats the uh, GG good luck little bro to Samael as they take the final game away from them. As for the Beast Coast Alliance game, yeah, I was really because because of how bad Alliance was performing the group stages, right? They just barely made it. I was really expecting Beast Coast to win that one, but then. Alliance wins, and then they immediately get kicked out by T1, so... <laughs> why, why couldn't it just been the other way around, you know? Give me points. Uh, as for the EG1, I was kind of expecting them to go a bit further than they actually did, even if my predictions don't say so, because, you know, everybody thought, really, that EG was going to be, like, one of the top-performing teams of this TI, and then we see them end up qualifying. We talked about this in the last episode, where we they end up qualifying in the lower bracket. But then we also see them beat Elephant out, and then immediately get kicked out after that I don't think I was expecting that but uh, I mean that that's that's just the way the ships fell I guess and as for the upper bracket we had never seen secret and OG against each other in in main stage before right like we'd never seen that game so I didn't know what to think but of course being a fan of OG I wanted OG to win which they didn't and then uh, secret made their way with IG and uh, they, they beat IG there right Secret beat IG in the upper bracket round two, and then that's when they went up against the LGD before falling to the lower bracket. Then, but it was straight out of left field, really. Like my predictions really got messed up. I mean, they, they've been messed up from the start. You can see them right there. But I don't think anybody really expected. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think anybody really expected Team Spirit to perform the way that they did. I think there was like a statistic last night that uh, Shiver had mentioned that there were only four people out of the millions and millions who predicted. Only four people predicted. 20 games correctly or 20, 20 of their bracket predictions were right so that's how many people expected this outcome for this ti and I, I think that it makes for an incredible story and i'm i'm happy with the results even if my favorite team got booted out well that's what yeah. you get for following your heart in the predictions you know it's predictions using statistics and you know what i also had copium during our um our episode last week when we were talking about the predictions who we thought would win who we wished would win of course whatever i said there i didn't follow in my own predictions in the compendium because i know most of what i said wouldn't come through you know i said i wanted eg to lose in the finals of course i knew that's not gonna happen no way in hell would that happen i, I would be happy if that happened though but yeah i really wasn't expecting that but same as uh, Dell here. I was expecting OG to beat Secret, and that turned out to be my only mistake in the upper bracket. I didn't expect OG to really lose against Team Secret there, especially since they showcased a very strong performance in the group stages. And you know, Secret has the tendency to not really perform well in the upper bracket of TI. Historically, they tend to choke there. But this year wasn't that year. And they actually went all the way to the upper bracket finals, as mentioned by Del earlier. And, you know, it almost got me hoping that Team Secret would win uh, this year's TI. But then they got beaten by PSG LGD in the upper bracket, which I predicted again. 
I thought PSG LGD will go all the way to the grand finals, but I wasn't actually expecting them to lose when they reach the grand finals. You know, their consistent performance the past three years, and even in the DPC, I really expected them to win this year's TI. But then that didn't happen. As we all know, Team Spirit was there. Um, I thought Team Spirit at that point in the lower bracket round three, uh, since I got OG beating Secret, it it would have been Team Spirit versus Secret in the lower bracket round three. That got delayed until the lower bracket finals, wherein Team Spirit defeated Team Secret two one. And actually, that's a that's a an outcome that I don't think a lot of people would have expected. You know. Team Spirit had the benefit of having a lot of momentum going into the lower bracket finals and to the grand finals, but you have to imagine how much endurance that team has to be able to persist and to keep their heads on their shoulders even with all of the pressure and playing all of those games. And most of those games were two once actually, and there were also instances where they lost the first game in the series of best of three and they had to reverse sweep their opponents. Yeah, and let's not forget that uh, Team Spirit is made up of a bunch of young blood. These are really young players. For most of them, aside from their, co I think they've been to a total of sixty eyes, and five of those are from their coach. Like these, these yep. are fresh faces to TI. I think only who is it? Miposhka Miposhka. has been to one TI yeah, before this. A single TI, like a single TI between the players, six including the coach, but. They, they, they overcame the odds. I think this is, honestly, in my opinion, I think this is a bigger Cinderella story, like a, a bigger upper bracket, a bigger uphill battle than even OG was in TI8. Yes, because OG, as you remember, the only newbie for them was Thompson. I mean, Anna was relatively still new during that time, but he was already established as one of the best mid players or a course of that time. And, you know, Notel has been a respectable member of um og ever since um even during his days in fanatic he was already acknowledged as one of the best players in the field so to compare them with team spirit who is you know a bunch of nobodies if you really think about it they're a bunch of nobodies ex except for miposhka who yeah, has been around faces, yeah, right? a bunch of fresh faces Nobody knows where they came from. They were from Yellow Submarine, which is kind of like the incubation team or incubator team of Team Spirit. But aside from that, where they came from before that, they were they were they came out of nowhere, really. And actually, I think Kyle has a lot to say about Team Spirit <laughs> and about the CIS region in general. I think. Yep. Oh, is, is it my turn already? Okay. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's been your dream long time coming to see this happen. Yeah, man. Okay, so let's start with my bracket. My bracket actually has is very similar to Newt's. So my upper bracket is exactly the same, actually. I also expected OG to win against Secret and then LGD to make it to the finals and then win. Because as much as I was on the CIS Hopium train, I also believe that it might be LGD's year finally because they looked so good coming into TI their group stage was pretty good and then everyone was like on the LGD like I feel like everyone who wanted to bet their money was actually betting on LGD because it's I mean it's kind of a no-brainer coming into the the bracket okay oh, you know before before you go on I, I just want yeah. to point out that 
you know, we've been talking about how Kyle hates OG so much, but if you could look at her upper bracket run, she had OG lose in the upper bracket finals. Like, wow, Kyle, you had faith in OG all this time. I didn't know that. Okay, so I don't like OG, but I actually believe that they have like something going on during TI. They always like show up at TI for well, some mean, reason. I mean, like you <laughs> could not like a team. Like I don't like EG that much, but yeah. you can acknowledge that they're a good team. Yeah, which yeah. I don't think. I think from OG's track record, you can say that they are like objectively. Yeah, uh, they're objectively. Because the two RTI wins under their belt. Also, I just want to say as an OG fan, I don't understand their drafts this TI. Like, Night Stalker Four was horrible. The NP5 was questionable. <laughs> yeah, their their drafts this TI were weird. I mean, I guess if it worked out, it would be Giga Brain. We'd be seeing it all over pubs, just like the IO from yeah, last but they got, year. Yeah, they got absolutely. Like they got flattened running those drafts. Yeah, I guess I guess the the draft magic wasn't here this year for some reason. But yeah, Although we so... did end up. We I guess we did end up seeing OG. Sorry, we did end up seeing OG in the uh, in the finals. Like uh, seven No Tail ended up on the draft <laughs> panel for <laughs> for the grand finals <laughs> games. That was actually very insightful, though. It was very insightful, but also very controversial for a lot of people. Like. I, I saw a lot of comments like saying why is Seb and Notel here? Because they actually wanted more uh, to see more of the actual panelists, you know, and kind of feel mm-hmm. bad for whoever was supposed to get that spotlight, get drop of their time under the sun, or who knows? Maybe it's it was really meant to be a slot for eliminated teams, you know? Who who knows? Maybe it could have been Team Secret there, you know, Poppy and. I mean. It might have also had something to do with the fact that they had a couple of active COVID cases suddenly come up in the middle of TI. Although they didn't mention exactly who it was, they had two active cases, so that might have had something to do with uh, who ended up paneling for those last few games. Yeah, I think that's a bigger factor. But I mean, I... also, you know, given the chance that the people who won the two latest TIs would make for a pretty good draft panel, along with Aoi, who's already. Uh, one, yeah. one TI, right? Yeah. yeah. He won TI five, then got kicked afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I watched, I watched the late night, uh, the late game with Pierre and Flax, uh, and mm-hmm. they had Aoi as a guest where he recounted his experiences, all of his experience throughout all of his years, and all of the teams that he went through in, uh, <laughs> in, in his Dota career, and he said he was still very much bitter about getting booted out right after winning TI. And it's actually really funny because I saw PPD tweet something in the lines of, I don't know why people think that Aoi and I, I have some beef. I think we have a lot of chemistry in the panel. And I was like, I, I remember AUI saying something else in an interview. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe it's PPD's copium, you know, we don't, we don't know. <laughs> maybe PPD doesn't know that Aoi didn't uh, appreciate getting kicked like that. But, you I don't know, think anyone would. Getting back to the topic on how good Team Spirit's run was this year, uh, we were wait, also wait. talking about TI champions, right? Or, or uh... sorry, about Cal wasn't done with her bracket predictions. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh wait, wait. Okay, so I'll just finish the bracket real yeah, fast. Yeah, go ahead. So my lower bracket one is like completely down the drain. My first round lower bracket is all wrong. <laughs> so all all the four teams that got eliminated first, I got wrong. And then I actually my CIS Hopium train was all on VP. So I was expecting a CIS versus China TI10 final, but with the wrong CIS team. <laughs> so 
Uh, I guess it makes sense because lo- looking at their group stage and how they performed in the DPC, VP was like more of a shoo-in when it comes to CIS. So I have just enough CIS copium to put CIS, CIS team in the final, but I guess I wasn't banking on Team Spirit making a miraculous run. <laughs> so, yeah. How did you feel when, according to your prediction, similarly, right? Uh, LGZ kicks VP down to the lower bracket, but then... Not according to your predicts. <laughs> team Spirit goes up against VP, and you have these two CIS teams, and you were hoping to see at least one of them in the finals, and they're up against each other. Whoever yeah, loses but... gets eliminated. How did that make you feel? Because like, I imagine like this is like fifty percent of your hopium down the drain right then. And there. <laughs> yeah, I was like really torn during that game, but also kind of happy because you know one of these CIS teams is moving on, right? So you're sure that one of them is gonna make it further, even if one of them is gonna leave. I actually expected VP to win that. But I guess it all worked out in the end. I'm not sure if VP would have won. The, the, against LGD? Yeah, against LGD. Because of, like... See, to be honest, if it was Secret that won the lower bracket final, I don't think they would have gone all the way to five games. I think LGD might have won like 3-1 or 3-0. Yeah, we had already seen Secret against LGD. Unless Secret had some other pocket strat, it might have ended up in the same way as their first fight against each other in the uh, upper bracket finals. But you yeah, could actually think... say the same with Team Spirit and IG. You know, mm. IG 2-0, Team Spirit in the upper bracket. And then Team Spirit 2-1, IG in the lower bracket. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely true. But I do feel like it's it's a different thing against LGD specifically just because of how consistent they are at, you know, just their entire game of Dota throughout this entire tournament is so consistent. They only drop, like we mentioned earlier, they, dro- they only drop one game in the upper bracket. Out of all the games they played, I think it should be like a total of 12. They lost four of them, three of them in the grand finals, and one of them in the very first game in the upper bracket. So that that consistency, you know, that they have co- as compared to like uh, Team Spirit and IG. They do have a higher win rate the in the main event compared to Team yeah. Spirit. If, now that if you do, if you do the math, but yeah. But yeah, Spirit kicked out all of the two-time hopefuls though. Pretty much all of them, right? No, except yeah. S4. Everyone except, except S4. S4. Everyone except F- S4. Because S4 <laughs> didn't have... Didn't, wasn't fortunate enough to face Team Spirit in the lower bracket. You know, they got defeated yeah. by T1. But it could have happened. Looking at the uh, the brackets, could have happened if T1 reached until the lower bracket round 5. Could have happened. It would have been amazing, right? Like Team Spirit, they don't have anything to prove anymore. Even if they, if they lose in the grand finals, if they've beaten all of the TI champions, and you know, in grand finals they actually beat two more TI champions in the form of yeah. Y and Faith Bian from the Wings Gaming um, lineup from TI Six, if I'm not mistaken. The last yep. time that the that the Eastern team won TI. And yep. yeah, Team Spirit really did well. And actually, I was also going to mention earlier the similarities between the VP and Team Spirit lineups when they're both very young teams. Um, earlier in the season, VP they were the, the members of the current VP are from the VP Prodigy. You know, if you're coming from League of Legends, they're kind of academy team. Or if you're coming from NBA perspective, it's like the G League of the teams. So this is like their second string of players, and they realize that they're so much better. They've outgrown their um, old squad mates. Uh, I believe these were no one. Uh, I think no one Ramsey's. Um, I'm not sure if Solo was still there, but still, even with the, just those two names, 
you can already see how much hope that the the VP organization had for this young team. And in many ways, they're very similar to Team Spirit. It's just that turns out the Team Spirit was more successful to v, uh, compared to VP in this in this year. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they could have also gone all the way. <laughs> But anyway, I really feel like this year's Team Spirit win is like the most poetic possible storyline that we could have had this TI. Because if you look at it, uh, a CIS the first the very first TI was won by a CIS team versus China, and the Chinese team also looked unbeatable before the tournament. Like uh, E Home during TI one was like the strongest Chinese team ever. At that time, they were even well known in Dota One before Dota Two was a thing, and then they got beat by Navi, who was like, kinda. They had like a name for themselves as DTS from Dota One, but like they were more of an upstart kind of team before they became, you know, kind of legendary in Dota Two. So it's kind of like a similar storyline, and then it happened again ten years later. So for me, as someone who's been a fan of the CIS regions Dota for. A decade. <laughs> It's been a really long time coming. So this is like the best possible timeline when it comes to Pro Dota for me. <laughs> so it's really great to see a nice young team win it all for the CIS. Because this also means the region might finally start investing more into young talent. Because as much as I love the CIS and my old boys, it's also about time that they stop trying to make all-star teams with old players. <laughs> Because sometimes that doesn't work anymore. I wonder if that has something to say, like, for old players in general. Because like, I, I feel like, I, I don't know, just a gut feeling after TI10, right? We're gonna see a lot of familiar faces start to retire, maybe move on to uh, analysis or paneling for future events. But I feel like there's gonna be quite a few pros that are gonna be hanging up the towel soon, realizing that uh, maybe their page in history has already turned, and maybe it's time to let the fresh young talents make their way in with their a weird Dota and their faster reaction times and whatnot. In between the All Star match and the Grand Finals, there was this one segment. Uh, I think it was a decade of TI or something like that, the decade of mm-hmm. Dota, where they talked to some of the oldest pros. And the two people I remember speaking there were Ice 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 and Poppy. Wherein Ice 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 was talking about him now being a dad. Uh, now he has a son that he wishes he could watch grow up. And he was talking about how, you know, your priorities are changing when you have a family already. And while he still wants to compete, he said that if he, his son, will need him to be there for the majority of his growth, then he'll have to choose his son. You know, we remember last year when COVID struck, that Ice 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 actually took some time off Dota just so that he can, you know, focus more on being a fa- father. And I think. That's true for a lot of players, not just for Ice Ice Ice. And as we know, a lot of the players that we've grown to love over the years have already moved on in their lives. You know, they're getting older, starting their own families, and having their families. Uh, they 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 have their children now, and they have to focus on their familial matters. And I think a lot of pros will start retiring soon because of that. But moving on to the next person. That I was talking about, Poppy. He split. He explicitly said there in that segment, he won't stop playing in TI until he gets his second ages. I remember that. I remember him saying mm-hmm. that. I was like, okay, fine, Poppy. You'll be playing until TI 20. That's fine with me. I don't really care. Yeah, I I like seeing you up there. 
but there's really some dedication in some of the players you know it, it there's a kind of drive for many of them to really go for the gold and never stop until they reach their dreams and even for puppy who already won the ages once and really doesn't have anything else to prove to anyone so i think it's really just for him to prove to himself that he still has it that his first ti championship wasn't a fluke because a lot of people are saying that it's a fluke because back in ti1 there were only what limited number of teams who were competing in ti1 and that it wasn't a real pi some people would say that so yeah well well it's going to be really interesting to see where the pros will be going from here on forth and actually one of the most interesting things i'd like to get your opinion cal on what mm. you think about this when team spirit won the ages they were interviewed by sumichu right after right i, mm-hmm. I actually i'm not so sure if it's sumichu but i think it was sumichu and mm-hmm. sumichu asked miposhka what he's going to do afterwards and he was like oh i don't know i don't think I, i i still want to play dota after this that's a lot of money he was saying that how uh-huh. how much do you think how how much truth do you think is there in that statement is, is he just joking or do you think there's some form of reality in what he said okay when it comes to team spirit and miposhka in particular i think he might actually be seriously considering it uh miposhka has actually been active in this eis scene for quite a few years now and winning ti might actually be you know like the life-changing event that he needs to move on and like do something else uh especially for the younger guys in team spirit imagine at 19 you already won this many million dollars you could actually like quit and then start studying and do something completely different and be set in your life so i think it's actually a serious consideration for these guys but i feel like it's also likely that we'll see more of them Because, you know, winning TI your first time, it's kind of, isn't it, wouldn't it be fun to go try again? Especially when you still have so many competing years under your belt. Interestingly, yeah, interestingly enough, they actually talked about this in the late, the late game with Perian Flax when they had Aoi 2000 uh, on stream with them. They asked him about that and he said that when you're a professional player for Dota, in his opinion, right, you're focusing so much of your time and effort into just being a part of the game, being a part of the scene, so you have to... You're constantly playing. You're dedicating so much of your life to it that he said, I always said that he felt like he wasn't able to grow in any other way as a person. His skills were limited completely to Dota. And he wanted to be able to grow more as a person. He felt that way, especially after winning his first TI. Like, even if he competed again in the future, he realized much later on that he wishes that he had stopped much earlier than he did. And that he was able to develop more of his skills outside of Dota. Because, like, we don't really know if the scene's going to be alive forever, even for just throughout our own lifetimes. And... If you dedicate your entire life to just that one game, just that one scene, according to Aoi at least, right? It, it does weigh on him in some way. It did weigh on him in a lot of ways. Uh, outside of just being a player or anybody involved in the Dota scene, but like how he felt like he developed as a human being. So I feel like Miposhka, having tried for as long as he has already, like he's not, he's Miposhka in particular, he's not a young blood by any means. Maybe he was serious about that. Maybe he got what he wanted out of the Dota scene and it's time to move on to something else. Or maybe even just he got what he wanted out of being a player and it's time to move on to something else. Yeah, that's true. I feel like uh, what Aoi said depends on the player though. Because there are a yeah. bunch of players that are also super involved in like businesses. They start their own org. Like, people like Poppy, No Tail. So they have their own org. Actually own. So I'm pretty sure they learned they like growing 
as business owners and stuff like that as well. Yeah, so maybe that's why people like their entire lives kind of rotate around <laughs> that yeah, scene maybe, in a way. Maybe it's because of that mentality of AUI that he got kicked off EG after winning a championship. <laughs> oh <you know>? <laughs> maybe PPD knew all of this time, all this time. Oh no, oh AUI is losing his drive. Okay, kick. Oh my god. <laughs> but anyway, I I think you you have it right with Miposhka. He has been, you know. He has been working hard and probably is already losing hope towards the end and he's just like, I just want to win the ages. And now that he has done that, he might be considering retiring already. But I don't think the same can be said for the other four. They seem like the kind of people who would enjoy going for another run, even if they you know, if even if they lose Miposhka. But my question here would be, what do you think, Carl? Will the four stick together even if Miposhka leaves? Uh, probably with another team or a bigger organization, will they stay with Team Spirit, or do you think they'll get poached by different organizations moving forward? Okay, so of course my biggest hope is that they stick together, right? But the CIS is well known for giant roster shakeups after TI. They like poach each other's players, and then suddenly three of your players are in a different team, and then you swap the other two on the on another team, something like that. That that like happens really weirdly. Like for a while, the only stable team in the CIS was VP, right? Solo and his other four guys. They only had one roster change during like three years. They only changed Lil for Roger, and then they, they stuck, mean, everyone else stuck together. But like, considering for, like Team Spirit, right? Not very yeah. seasoned. And uh, considering the the very large sum that they just won for themselves and for their org, what I don't really know what kind of incentives there would be to being poached by other teams aside because you know how well they work together. Like you can see their coordination. Everybody always talks about uh, collapse and Toronto Tokyo's flashy plays, but what really activates those plays, I think, is just how well they seem to communicate. Like their CC chains are so clean, their executes are so clean. When the Magnus skewers somebody in, um, there was that one time in mid lane against LGDs. Was it LGDs tiny? I think it was. I'm not too sure now. Um, where they skewered the tiny into the tier two tower, and as soon as he's there, when the stun is about to run out, Storm Spirit comes in, silences him, and then he pulls him in with the the vortex. And as soon as that runs out, he gets hit immediately without any delay in the CC by uh, Willow's terrorize. And I, that kind of CC layering, it's just so clean. And I, I'm just trying to think, what if you would think that the uh, that they would separate or like they would get poached by financial incentives considering how much they just won compared to like how well they seem to play together as a team you know that that's the thing right we are free to speculate on how much well they do together probably they're really just good individually and you know great people when they work together they tend to do great things it's also possible which is why not, i not really want true, though. yeah 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 but that's also possible it could be team chemistry but it could also be individual um, abilities yeah. really shining out and turning out to be really good for the entire team. So that's why I'm really looking forward to this year's suicide, especially since we don't know a lot really about Team Spirit. Uh, the backgrounds of these people, they really, like I said earlier, they literally came out of nowhere and they just won TI. And that's going to be interesting. We're going to see how they actually interacted inside the booth, uh, how they communicated. That's something, th those are the perspectives, the insights that we want to see in true side, the upcoming true side uh, for for this TI championship. And, um, you know, um, they've already won one TI. So individually, uh, I have a feeling that maybe not all of them, because I really don't know how they think. 
But if you've already won that much money and there, you know, it raises their stock value by a lot. And as Kyle yeah. mentioned, uh, these CIS orgs are really keen on poaching players who are really successful. And for example, if you have a team that's that's only missing an offlane, they'd be more than willing to put all of their resources just to get collapse for example and they wouldn't care about the others because from what they saw in their international run even if you just consider collapse performance on his own in a vacuum he was really good even if you take away his entire team you know their their chemistry did help because they were able to follow up on each other but you can see from the individual's performance that they have the iq they have the awareness the map awareness they knew how to use their heroes their hero pool especially yatoru his hero pool was um exhibited in this picked, pi yeah he only picked two heroes twice i think yeah yeah they got three rampages too yeah <laughs> it's insane oh my god so in terms of these orgs you know these cis orgs wouldn't care so much about getting the entire team they they would see whatever they need from this team and they'll go after those talents that they specifically need for their team so it will really depend on these four if they'd want to stick together or if they'd want to test their um their stock value in the free agency on a side yeah. note though uh before TrueSight comes out team spirit on their official youtube channel has some vlogs and it's it's pretty insightful into the kind of people that these players are outside of the main stage because that's mostly how we've seen them. Oh, that's that's cool. I haven't actually seen it. It's it's an interesting side note as well, because when they won, <laughs> you, you can see the growth of their channels. If you're uh, looking at their follower count on Twitter and on YouTube, it is steadily growing as they win matches in the lower bracket. And now they have a lot of, you know, it's more like ten times of their original follower count when they won ages. And that really also elevates the brand, you know. So Team Spirit still has the capability of keeping these because of the new sponsorships that they will surely get from this win. But it really depends on the players as well, if they want to stick together or not. So it's interesting to see. I'd like to see those videos. But now that I haven't yet, uh, that's that's my opinion on that. Yeah, I, I really can't wait for True Sight. It'll be a True Sight to remember for sure. Yeah, especially Man. for you, Cal, because it's the first reset yeah. with the CIS team. Oh no, no, no! Rather, there was a reset. Oh, there was a focusing on VP yeah. before, but this is yeah, the first reset focusting on a CIS OG. winner on TI. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be interesting. Oh, but I love it. Moving on to a new topic. Did you guys mm. know? Uh, I I'm looking at this infographic by Team Empire social media team. You know that team who did qualify for TI this year, but has a very they nice. Got, they got. They got beaten up by Spirit. They got by beaten the up by Team Spirit <laughs> in the finals of the CIS region qualifiers. But they have a really good SOCMED team. But anyway, did you guys know that throughout the 10 years of TI, there has been $180,000 in prize money? And $52 million of that went to Chinese players. And China has the most earnings of all the countries combined well not all of the countries combined but compared to all of the other countries so that's 52 million almost a third of all the prize money went to china i think that's expected they they've always been a pretty strong region 
they always show up at TI like at, at least until like top six. They always have at least one team, something like that. And they have like a bunch of <laughs> agencies of their own. So and it does seem like uh, the culture in that region is kind of like it, it's so competitive, right? Like yeah. the way that we see that fans react and the just the kind of teams that come out of that region. They're just like it's insane. It's, it looks like it's a doggy dog world in the esports scene in that region, right? I feel like China also has the best infrastructure in terms of Dota. Like they have the main team, and every main team has a uh, what they call a junior team. Yeah, an academy team. Yeah, and then they also have like G League. They have a lot of uh, inter-team leagues that are between Chinese teams and then between their junior teams. So it's like constantly a grind the whole year round. There's always something to play. So I feel like. They know each other so well, and because they play so many games, it's like they they really get honed. And then when they show up in an uh, in a international tournament, they always like kind of blow everyone away for a bit. But of course, lately fall short right at yeah. the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. then looking at our latest winners, Team Spirit, it's composed of three Russians and two Ukrainians. So this is just stats. Mm-hmm. Each one of them brought home about 3.6 million dollars, and that actually made Russia the second most, um, the second highest earning country, from, uh, from around six million dollars to now 15 million. So you see the disparity. China has 52 million, and Russia only has 15 million. That's already the first and second. And mm. then Ukraine went up. From having around four million dollars internal in in total earnings to eleven million dollars, and that's already considering that some of the Navi players came from Ukraine. You know, the the, the TI prize pool has just One, been two, expanding and expanding and growing and growing. Yeah. That the most recent wins actually matters more than the earlier ones. So by a lot, by a lot, and considering that mm. PSG LGD won second, third, second the past three years, that really inflated value of China in terms of earnings. Where do you guess Philippines is in this ranking? Did we make top ten? I oh, don't I, I let me count: one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, before I go on, Derek, uh, Del, do you think Philippines is in the top ten? Uh, I'm not that familiar with. How well we've been performing because I haven't been following the scene as much as either of you. But if I have to go with my gut, I'd say no, just because. Well, only this is talking in terms of countries, right? Yeah, o- yeah. and also only on TI winnings. Oh, yeah, um, TNC made it last TI, right? They made it in TI. They, they, they reached 12th, I think, or 16th. Yeah. I'm not sure. They survived the group stages at the very least. Countries, countries or re- regions? Countries. Country. Countries. Countries. Uh, I don't think we're in top ten if we're speaking countries. Yeah, actually. I don't really know the statistics. Philippines has 2.7 million dollars in terms of earnings, and we are at number 17, just behind Pakistan. And that Pakistan is, you know, just Smil and his brother Yawar. Yawar. <laughs> so, Hassan. The, the, just the Hassan Bros. Beating the entire country of Philippines in terms of earnings, and mm-hmm. some also interesting um, countries here: Bulgaria and Lebanon is also above us. Jordan as well. Jordan, I think, is miracle if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Yes, Bulgaria would be mind control, I think. Yeah, 
Lebanon. I'm not so sure who who's from Lebanon. But anyway, yeah, there's some interesting statistics. Uh, 180 million dollars throughout 10 years of TI. And considering that only 25% of the Battle Pass earnings go to the TI prize pool, just imagine how rich Valve is right now. There's just... Yeah, man. Where's Half-Life I mean, 3? Also... <laughs> <laughs> you know they can't count to 3. Like, we've seen yeah, Team yeah. Fortress 2, no follow-up. We've seen Dota 2, no follow-up. Dota 2, Alex. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're probably just going to see like Team Fortress 2, Alex. Left 4 Dead 2, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Haven. Dota 2, Alex. Wow, that's going to be... No, I don't think that's gonna work. But anyway, <laughs> on on another note, what do you guys think Marcy's gonna be? Like uh, they just oh. re- they did a TI reveal, uh, mm. the new hero coming up, the one from the Dragon's Blood, uh, Mirana's assistant. Uh, she's mute. She's also incredibly strong, and I don't think she's entirely human. I feel like she's gonna be a carry for sure. She doesn't. Yeah, she she looks like a core. She doesn't seem like she'd be <laughs> she'd be support. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that they went with Marcy because I was expecting them to include the uh, Firmwin, the the elf girl, because she's mm. the one who exhibited actual like hero abilities. Like Marcy exhibits extreme amounts of strength, but that's about it so far. Whereas Firmwin has like she has like shadow stepping, she has the ability to generate illusions or like clones and teleportation through shadows that kind of already looks like it could be a hero kit right so i was really expecting yeah. her i was actually expecting her when we were gonna get dawnbreaker but then we got dawnbreaker actually marcy i think it's just valve giving the fans what they want to see because ever since marcy debuted in uh, dragon's anyway. blood i've already seen a lot of people on twitter clamoring for marcy to be added to the game I even... a lot of people were expecting her to be a courier though a courier Excuse yeah. me. Like she, she, she was like Miranda Squire. She the literally carried her stuff around for her. The disrespect, Marcy as a courier. Well, you can also do that if you know she's just a useless support. You can just make her wow. when she dies. Wow. Make her useless support. Your, your, don't don't, don't let any of the support players hear that. Hello, <laughs> everyone has a courier now. <laughs> <laughs> so also also with the with Marcy incoming. I'm willing to bet it's only a matter of time before they maybe next battle pass whenever that'll be maybe like a winter battle pass we're gonna see the Mirana persona with yeah, her yeah I think that's oh, it's yeah, only yeah. a matter of time until we get that and I'm really Invoke excited persona. That, I'm really excited Invoke for that persona, but my, it's his daughter my, my Mirana <laughs> sets aren't that good in Dota so I'm really looking forward to that persona if ever Invoker persona well actually I, I, I think Salamini <laughs> Selimini should also appear as a Dota 2 hero in the future. That's just a guess though. And in terms of other Dota Dragon's Blood news, uh, have you guys heard that Season 2 was already greenlit? And there's actually already a trailer for it. And it showcased... Oh, oh guess who's, uh, which hero got showcased in this trailer? No, new one? Yeah, it, well, it's not the... Well, it's, it's from the roster. But they're appearing for the first time in Dragon's Blood. Somebody adjacent to Luna. Someone adjacent to Mirana. She's very adjacent to Luna. Who would that be? Very... Okay. Hmm. I... Get... Yeah, give think... your guesses. Give your guesses. Adjacent to Luna and Mirana. Somebody related to the moon. Who else is related Drow. to the moon? Drow? Okay, Carl's, Carl's guess is Drow. Who's your guess? Del. Uh, I think I'm, I'm, being put, more... <laughs> I'm being put on the spot here. I can't think right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna go with the. 
<laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna go for the counterpart and say Windrunner. Okay, Windranger. Windranger. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, it's very adjacent to Luna because the new character that we'll see in Dragon's Blood is Lena, the Slayer. How is it wow. adjacent? Yeah, the spelling? It's adjacent well, spelling. to Luna and Lena. Because <laughs> if you told me adjacent <laughs> to Lena, I'd be thinking of her sister, Crystal Mane. Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking it's adjacent in terms of when you sort the characters in alphabetical uh, order. Literally next to each and other. They'd be next to each other. I, I never sort in alphabetical. I have my own custom uh, <laughs> hero layout for picks. It's like a giant van section on the right side. Okay, well, Lena, Lena the cool. Slayer is going to be in the Dragon's Blood. But... Uh, the, the the lore here that they're going to be exploring is why she has a skill called Dragon Slave, which is actually the breath of a dragon that she can control through her magic. So apparently it's an actual breath of a dragon. It's not just her own magic. And it's going to tie up with the story of Davian and the other uh, characters in Dragon's Blood so far. And... Yeah, so we're looking forward to that, but we're getting a little off track here. We should go back to, like, to talking about TI. Yeah. <laughs> Let's well, talk yeah. about... <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's definitely something we're talking about. And I'm pretty excited for it. I did quite enjoy the first season of Dragon's Blood, but... Yeah, I, I surprised, I'm surprised I liked it as much as I did. Let's talk about the Grand Finals. Let's talk about that those five games. Okay. Oh, uh, here we go. Like that, that, uh, that series that started out as a 2-0 almost looked like it could have been a reverse sweep and then have Spirit win out right at the end there. So full disclosure, I slept through games 1 and 2 and just woke up for game 3. So I'm not going to contribute <laughs> anything for the first half of this discussion. So go ahead, guys. I really liked uh, Team Spirit, the whole series. I mean, even when they lost, I feel like the whole series is really... Like a good showcase of these two teams. Like the first two games were very spirit sided, and then the last two games were very LGD sided. The fifth game, I feel like, was the most even game of all five. Yeah, Cause, it cause definitely it was, was the really... only one that wasn't like super lopsided immediately. Yeah, it was like on the edge of a knife for a while until Team Spirit got that. Like they read the smoke gank correctly, and then they were able to do a really good team fight near the triangle. Then they took the tiny out, they took. Ah. They took the Lycan out and then they were able to start sieging with the Terrorblade. So that was I really like the whole series, especially because it shows off like the the both of the teams style of Dota. Like Team Spirit is like really well executed team fights, perfect CC, uh, really good initiations. And they even showed us a Naga game. So I have a soft spot for Naga games because some of my favorite players are good Naga players. The, the Naga oh. game was game one, right? Against the yeah. Ayo Orsa on LGD. Yep. And from the draft alone, I was talking to... We were talking about it, right? When we were watching yeah. it. Uh, we were doing a group watch. We were talking about it. And I thought that as long as long as Ame managed to snowball there, it looked like it would have been over for Spirit in that game. But I just have to say their warding game in the first two games was insane. Their map control. Yeah. Just, they, they knew exactly what they needed to see, when they needed to see it. And we saw Miposhka... Like going all the way around the world, <laughs> like yeah. going from bot lane, going to mid lane, spending some time in the triangle, he spent some time in the enemy jungles, and this is like in the first what ten minutes of the game, and he was just yeah. all over the place, putting wards where he needed to be, being exactly where he needed to be, and I think it was largely due to that that they were able to you know get Yatoro to avoid the fights that he didn't want to participate in, and also get the pickoffs that they wanted to get. And actually, they're very superior warding and vision game. Is what made PSG LGD crumble 
towards the end because I saw Shinkyu's translated posts after TI where he talked about what made them crumble in Game 5 and he admitted that throughout the entire of, entirety of Game 5 he felt like he's being watched, that they had vision to wherever he's going, he was afraid of breaking the smoke of the enemy and you know th that just shows how much Team Spirit's warding game got into the head of PSG LGD. You know, this is a top tier team that has reached third and second in TI. Yeah, I feel like the vision game was like super crucial this whole series because you can see it in LGD's game three, right? They pick Tinker, they pick uh, Spectre and Bloodseeker, all of these vision heroes to help them finally catch uh, Team Spirit's heroes. And they Team Spirit had the Magnus that game, so that was like Collapse's signature hero. So that yeah, was when they beat that. I actually felt like, oh no. The boys are gonna crumble from here. Yeah, like, not, that, not gonna that lie. Was so Holy shit. After games three and four, like, I, I, I took a nap. I took a ten minute nap because I thought if I wake up, like, I, I feel like with the way with the way the momentum was going, I just thought, oh, LGD is gonna take this one. And like, I, I took a, a bit of a nap to reset myself because I was pretty stressed out at everything that happened. You know, watching watching <laughs> the team that I was rooting for at that time. I was already rooting for Spirit in that last series. Uh, go 2-0 and then from that 2-0 go 2-2 but mad props to lgd because of their amazing gameplay like like you said they had so much vision game with the blood seeker with the tinker and they were able to use that to such good effect like uh with Amin being able to pick up his aghanim scepter on the specter really early and every time they just got vision he could just shadow step into any of the supports and they just be gone and because of that thirst also like it made it really really hard for Toronto tokyo to play his invoker uh, with any kind of risk because the moment he tried anything risky he would be so low that his ghost walk would just not be able to bail him out anymore and also like uh, a lot of people kept mentioning in chat when we were watching doing the group watch that really nothing to say is just an absolute beast on tinker the best tinker play in the world supposedly uh, I, I don't know enough about tinker to really like i know what he does but i don't know enough about him to know what separates a really good tinker from a tinker that can just stomp me at my archon level so <laughs> I take their word for it. People who are better than me at the game, they say that he's probably the best tinker currently playing Dota. And we, we got to see nothing to say. Absolutely stomp it there. And also mad props to Xingxu on the Rubik for being able to foil every single, almost every single one of Collapse's attempts to yeah. do what he does best with the with the Horn Toss and the Skewer. Like Xingxu was, there was also at one point where Xingxu on the Rubik managed to take the RP. I think it was in the T2 mid lane. And he managed oh, yeah. to RP3 there. And then they, they just set up for, you know, they just set up for an absolute wipe on the side of v on the side of uh spirit like lgd was showing off like their amazing prowess it executes and um when they have their head in the game playing the heroes that they're familiar with like it's it's pretty insane what they can do it was so clean and the same was true for game four like i was kind of worried about that when the game four was the one where they got the lgd got their hands on the magnus this time like yeah. they, they, they denied the pick from collapse by picking it themselves it was, yeah, I really like this, this whole series really was one for the ages, I think. What a storyline. How about you, Newt, about the games that you watched? The games that you weren't asleep for. <laughs> I actually had to wake up when Game 3 was starting because I have, you know, I, I work as a news journalist. So I have to prepare that article. So I was already writing, Team Spirit takes 3-0 against PSG LGD to take home oh, the ages. Oh. Something like that. And then PSG went on to win the next two games. I was so 
I was so annoyed because <laughs> even though I won <laughs> the PSGLGD to win, I only had everything written down, and then they lost the next two games. But you know, I was watching those games intently already, and it was actually really amazing the side of PSGLGD, their mental fortitude. You know, uh, according to Shinky as well from his posts after TI, that Shao Eight was very pivotal for them to keep them to keep their heads leveled on their shoulders because they were really. Off their off the mood already after game two, and it was Shao Eight who brought them back in, who said, "Guys, uh, you just have to get things together, things like that," and they were able to win the next three games. And it just so happened that, you know, the pressure was just too high. You know, playing in that situation, even even though how good you are, still puts you in so much pressure that. Yeah, they also did well in 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 game five. To be honest, they were. Almost controlling the game until you know around the 20, 25 minute mark in the mid game. That's when they started losing team spirit. I don't know how team spirit did that. Rally back from that almost reverse sweep, and they countered the reverse sweep with the reverse polarity, <laughs> so to speak, because of how good collapse is. But I really think it fell down on game five because of the draft in games three and four. They were aware that they were losing because of the vision game, and they picked heroes that can counter Team Spirit, even though you know to help them with their vision, as Del mentioned. In Game Four, we saw how effective those drafts were with PSG LGD going twenty-three to two against Team Spirit, and it was really effective for for a while. But then in Game Five, you know, in the pivotal moment, that's when they chose to go back. To their drafts from game one and game two, or in the earlier series, to play the heroes that they are most comfortable with, and it just so happens that the their comfort picks just aren't that good enough against the comfort picks of Team Spirit. They forgot to pick heroes that can counter the vision game of Team Spirit, and that spelled their downfall. You know, they still were able to hold up a really good game in Team Five. Uh, in 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 game five rather, but Team Spirit's draft was just the superior draft in game five, and I don't think it only came down to the draft though. Like you have to give credit where credit's due. Just how amazingly uh, Team Spirit played during those last pivotal moments. Like uh, you know how much space in the last one of the last fights when they had already broken both T4 towers, but then the backdoor uh, the backdoor protection had come up, so they had to fall back towards the mid lane outside, right outside of. Uh, LGD's yeah, and... that that took a lot of discipline, not to force the win. I remember that's how PSG LGD lost against OG way way back when they were forcing the 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 ancient push, and then the well timed um, what do you call this? The well timed buybacks of OG made them made them stay alive. You know that's where the Jerak savior of OG came from, and then the Echo Slam that won them the game. And yeah, I, I do agree that Team Spirit did better against PSG LGD during that game, but PSG LGD's draft definitely didn't help. You know, I was scratching my head. I uh, I did agree that the Skyrath Mage would be a good counter against the the Magnus, but it would have required a lot of vision. It would have required them to know where the Magnus is coming from. So I think Rubik would have been a better counter against the. He was banned. Uh, Rubik was banned Magnus. out that game. Yes, but yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Rubik was banned, but 
uh, all I am saying is there are a lot of other heroes that can counter Magnus in this game. And I was really scratching my head with that Enchantress pick. Uh, I guess they were really going for the early game push so that they could finish the game even before Terrorblade and Magnus could gather enough resources to uh, become unstoppable, but just didn't go their way. Um, Yatoru yeah, became that way, right? Yeah, Yatoru really became unstoppable. He was, he had a scadi in twenty minutes. That's like a really fast farm, and yeah, they were outdrafted and outplayed in game five. It, it did look like they were setting up to go for that kind of play, right? With the Lycan, the Enchantress, the uh, the Tiny, and the Konka having a lot of wave clear and tower push between them. I guess yeah. they wanted to close that game out fast before the Terrorblade could come online, but Toronto Tokyo did pretty good at holding the line there for them. Uh, he did he did his job as a position too really, really well along with the supports and that gave Yator the space that he needed to be able to catch up with his items and take the fights that really mattered. And when they when, when they made it to the final, like uh, that that final second to the last fight before they made it to the triangle slash rosh pit area, like I was watching Miposhka. Miposhka was on the bane, right? Yep. Yeah, Miposhka on the bane. No, with, sorry, uh, it's Toronto Mira. Tokyo. Mira on the bane. Mira on the bane. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. So Mira and Mira on the bane with the Toronto Tokyo in the back line, just wreaking havoc. People could not make it to the Terrorblade, and they couldn't kill the Ember Spirit either. And at some point, Toronto Tokyo basically had no mana, but he was still somehow being able to make so much space for the Terrorblade to just free hit everybody, take out all the important targets before the fight made its way to the Roche Pit. And I guess you know at that point, like LGD was already starting to crumble and. It was a really questionable thing that Ahmed did to try to solo the Roche, despite knowing the fact that the heroes were still alive in the triangle, right? Hey, remember but they I, put I guess it was like a last dish effort. Of that. Hey, remember they put, they didn't have wards there, so they put Enchantress on the cliff so that she'd be the ward. And Ahmed was trying to kill Roshan on on his own, and even after Enchantress died, he still tried to kill Roshan. But you know, Team Spirit just felt like, oh, maybe they're doing Roshan, and felt like checking Roche Pit, and that's. You know that's what ended PSG LGD. Three of their players were dead at that time when uh, Team they had Spirit. They burned the buybacks too. So yeah, they have already burned their buybacks uh, as the aforementioned uh, fight in the ancient that pushed Team Spirit back. And you know, uh, props to PSG LGD for having the courage towards the end to do or attempt a bossy play like that but just didn't work out for them you know we could have been talking about how smart Amis move was to kill Roshan yeah. at that point in the game had it worked yeah if it, if it worked out yeah. yeah it just so happened that team spirit was smarter than him at that game yeah i think i also want to commend spirit's patience because they knew that they were dealing with the uh with the wolf by tiny right and if if you saw towards the end the last two clashes whenever tiny would get bit they would just back off. Like, like Spirit had the patience to just back off so that Tiny could not get anything done with that wolf bite. And they would go in when it was almost over if they found a pick where he was far away enough from them that it wouldn't be a problem. And like, I, I don't know, like to me, yeah, it, it looked like something incredible, you know, because you, you're at, you know, the, you must be a ball of nerds by now. This is your fifth game. This is the last game of the grand finals of a decade of Dota, TI-10. And they managed to hold on to this patience to not just go into a fight, to not just take the fight because they know that the tiny lichen, the wolf bitten, like the, the Christmas tree holding tiny is there. <laughs> yeah, you know. 
if if you would listen to the panel at that time, it's already a cliche at this point that they're going to talk about how it's going to be experience is going to be a determiner in the game, how team spirit is a young team and they might crumble if they lose some games, things like that. But for a very young team, team spirit really showed a lot of maturity, a lot of discipline in their games against PSG, LGD, and you know, all throughout TI. They showed maturity and discipline in their gameplay. They might not be the most, you know, they might not be as um, as perfect in their execution as PSG LGD, but they definitely knew when to back off when they have to to pick their fights, and they knew the importance of uh, playing around wards and things like that. They really showcased their IQ in the game, and. I really want to see more of their plays in the future, which makes me sad when Miposhka said he might consider retiring. But yeah, at least they gave us this game, right? They, they gave us this series, they gave yeah. us this TI. What a way to cap off a decade of Dota, right? Yeah. A really exciting best of five. Ah, so poetic. Man, this really is the best Dota timeline. <laughs> All right. So, does anyone else have anything to add for TI? I'm I'm just like extremely happy. So, <laughs> uh, I don't have anything more to add, but I want to add that if you want to win an Avery Media Elena mousepad, <laughs> simply like and follow us here on Facebook, subscribe subscribe to us on YouTube, and share this episode with the hashtags hashtag #OffCDElena hashtag #AveryMedia hashtag #LiveStreamerKit hashtag #BO311 and hashtag #LiveGamerMini don't worry, all of those hashtags will be down there in the description. So you just have to copy paste that and make sure that when you share this post, it's, it's on public so that we'll see it when we search for our winners. Well, guys, it has been a nice run for TI. It has been a wonderful weekend for us Dota fans. And the past two weeks has been really good. Uh, I really enjoyed this year's TI. And I do, I'm looking forward to the next TPC season. From what I've heard from murmurs around Reddit and the internet, we're going to have the continuation of DPC 2020 to 2020, uh, rather 2021 to 2022 around December this year, although there are no set dates yet. And, you know, two months until the next DPC season, I don't know how to feel about it. Is it too close or too far i feel like it's just enough time to let everybody reset from yeah, what happened usually to TI. Two months. it's just a weird this time because the two months also lands during the christmas break usually it's uh ti is in august and then nothing happens during september and october right, and I, I, we have something in november and then there's a short christmas break <laughs> yeah you should feel it right now uh valve gonna hype up the new dpc season with their winter battle pass Probably yeah. featuring oh, yeah. that uh, that that void arcana, the faceless void arcana, because he won second yeah. at the arcana. Gaben's vote. gonna take away our, all our money again. So all of those battle pass wars we've had, we have a, we've had an episode on that. Go watch or listen to it if you are so inclined. But yeah, uh, actually, for next year's DPC, I'm curious as to how Valve will move forward from this. There have been a lot of complaints for this year's DPC structure. Definitely, they will introduce a lot of changes, especially since there's been changes in the timeline. I'm wondering, actually, if they're going to stick with October TI next year, or they're going to try to get it back to August. So that's one of the things that we'll be looking forward to. 
Yeah, I mean, if they have it in August, like that's a little less time to, you know, collect the uh, donations for us to have the largest prize pool that beats this year's <laughs> prize pool. I see. To be honest, I miss the old uh, system where we had like four big majors and then TI or like three big majors because having too many majors kind of muddles them down a bit. Doesn't feel as prestigious as before. So that and you know the DPC format having like a minimum number of players per region. I mean the number of teams per region making it in kind of muddles up the system in the way that like you know the way that we saw Thunder Predator just get kicked out of the group stages going 0-12. Like that was pretty yikes. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of different explanations for that. You know, China is very strong because of the structure that they have, as we mentioned earlier, and we can't fault SA for not having that kind of system. And I do believe that giving more opportunities to them would be helpful for them in the long run. Mm-hmm. So I do hope Although that, I do. Yeah, I, I do hope that those changes will benefit them in the long run and will see them stronger next year. Uh, it's just so sad that it, it had to be this year because there's a lot of teams that, you know, Team Nigma, you have TNC, you have uh, who else who did qualify this year because of the limited slots for other regions. But I do believe it's for the better for the entire the, uh, the entire international scene of Dota 2. Yeah, well, maybe the, impl- the implementation could be done a lot better because I feel like if they want to, you know, help foster budding teams in different regions, they could do that with grassroots tournaments rather than bring them immediately to main stage. Because you can imagine how it feels both for the team itself and for the org that was backing them to see them kicked out of group stages like that. Even if they did, you know, in some ways, uh, get their name out there and maybe earn the, a, a pretty profitable sum overall. Yeah. To be honest, I feel like Valve should start trying to spread the the TI Price top teams. heavy prize pool. Yeah. T- tier 2 and Tier 3 teams have been struggling for a while now, so... But we know how I... Valve is with their esports. <laughs> <laughs> look, look at their look at their their biggest esports child that they don't really pay any attention to. CS:GO. <laughs> yeah, CS:GO Almost... is completely run by third-party yeah. POs. It's like entirely funded by like private orgs. Valve is just like, yeah, we'll, we'll give you guys occasional updates, but Valve... uh, the esports scene is on you. <laughs> Valve's really allergic when it comes to, you know, grassroots and. Well, that's just how things are, and I just hope that they spend more time with the grassroots moving forward because that's what the scene really needs at this point. But that's going to be another topic for another day. Uh, right mm-hmm. now, we're just very happy that the I-10 happened and very happy with the, well, not exactly for the results because I still wish PSG LGD won there, but I'm really happy <laughs> with the quality of Dota and the quality of production. Let's not forget about and, that, that we had. And the quality... Year. Of the memes that came out of and these the quality of the memes, you know, they were <laughs> this year's yeah. this year's social media game of those social media pages of these teams have been in a different level compared to different years from before, and it's really fun, you know. Just ha- make sure that it's harmless fun. No one really gets offended, or no one really gets out of line. You know, sometimes just the fans who really rile up each other, not really the orgs who have some beef against each other okay wait before we wrap this whole thing up i just want to ask what your guys opinion is on toronto tokyo saying easy game to og <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, i think it's just fair game you know the question mark of emo the easy game of toronto tokyo even seb himself tweeted that he didn't really mind that um like as as a fan of og like I say go for it. Like OG knows what they're doing when it comes to the mental game. They know what they're doing with those sprays and those those chat wheel lines. And I'd say 
it is fair game. It's it's in the game. The all chat service is in the game. You didn't say anything that was technically offensive. Like, and you can actually the game is something mute the you're opponent. allowed to say, right? And you can yeah, actually mute the opponent. So it's it's your problem if you're not muting them in a way. You know, it's not victim blaming. I'm just saying that if you're if you know like yourself, the tools are there, you get, right? Yeah, if you know for yourself that you get tilted easily you know sometimes i even mute my teammates even when i'm playing with this stack because i get tilted by what they say to me and yeah it, it's very game for me the easy yeah, game i, I don't game. feel like it was very toxic i feel like it wasn't it was a little less sportsmanlike than we would have expected from professional esports athletes but i also feel like it's fair game and the mental game is such a big part of dota anyway and uh, okay. while we're against toxicity an easy game is an easy game i guess I feel like easy game is like quite mild in terms of toxicity. Yeah, definitely. I also find it kind of funny that it happened to OG, to OG of all people. <laughs> it's retribution. Yes, we're complete. Like of all the teams, okay, maybe not all of the teams, but OG is definitely one of the most trash talky teams out there. So yeah, it's I, like definitely a prime target for something yeah. like that. But Especially it's good if to know sure you're winning. It's good to know that they can take what's dish what what they dish out. Uh, yeah. I saw Seb tweet about uh, calming down the fans not to attack Toronto Tokyo because they're they did really mind. You know, it's it's for them. It's um, when you're competitive and you're at your you're at that stage, you understand how uh, as as Seb said, he understands how much happiness or how much hype it must have brought Team Spirit beating OG, and he understands how. It could have been Toronto Tokyo's way to express that hype, and he didn't take any offense to that. And as fans, you know, for me, I think it's fun to see. Actually, I don't really mind seeing those trash talk every now and then, as long as you know they don't get personal or cross the line. But yeah, uh, I I think as long as the people involved aren't taking things personally, it's it's harmless sportsman. Well, that that's that's how sports are. That's how competition is, in many cases. Yeah. All right. So, wow, this episode turned out quite longer than I expected it to. So I feel like we all of us had a lot to say. We had a lot of feelings about this TI in general. Yeah, it was a great TI, great ten years of Dota. So yeah, thanks for listening, you guys. Uh, this has been off cooldown. I'm Cal. This is. Newt. And I'm Del. And we'll see you guys again next episode. Stay frosty. Bye bye.